Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. We had a great uh, show planned for you guys today. <laughs> of course, I'd say that, right? Um, and we are going to preempt our show uh, because we got a really um, powerful email. And this email is a question from a listener, also a, a coaching client. And I read through this email, and I thought, I cannot think of a better topic for the tens of thousands of you that are listening than the uh, nature of his email. So we're going to read that to you, and then Julie and I are going to break it down into uh, pieces and parts so you can understand it. And the, the theme of the email, by the way, is how to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, how to actually get yourself to do that, even when you think you're supposed to be working on your mindset and all these other types of things. So we're going to be walking you guys through um, our suggestions on what you can do. And I think for many of you, it's going to be a revelation. When people get the nature of the fallacy of trying to work on your mindset, when people finally get the idea that, hey, guess what? I don't have to wait to get to work and to be successful regardless of my mindset. That's very liberating. So we're going to be drilling down on that in a second. So um, a quick, couple of quick announcements. Number one, well, this one wasn't on my announcements list, but I just got an email about it. So our new book is done. We're very excited about that. Um, I uh, thank you, my dear, for getting uh, the book mm-hmm. done. I know that was a huge job for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. So well, the new book new. Is, there will be a new new one after that. This is this is the upgraded uh beefed up revised. version of Harris Rules. Revised, yes. Yeah. So this the uh Harris Rules, um we added some rules, but we also reorganized the um the content and Julie added a lot of stories, a lot of case studies. So um, Harris Rules Revised is coming out mid-year this year, and it's finally been accepted by the publisher. And the nice thing about this one is because of the success of the first one being a bestseller on Amazon and whatnot, this next one looks like it's already going to be you know, an enormous seller. Um, I'll tell you guys something kind of interesting. The average best-selling book only sells 3,500 copies ever. So I want you to think about that for a second because when I learned that, uh, I was kind of stunned that it wasn't like billions. I mean, wasn't that what you would have thought? So the average best-selling book only sells 3,500 copies. And um, our book and all forms uh, sold has sold over 75,000 copies. And that's in all forms. So digital, you know, audio, uh, the whole thing. So and that's kind of interesting, I thought. It tells me that the nature of what we're helping all of you guys with is needed. And the move away from all the woo-woo and the mindset and all the touchy-feely stuff and having people be okay with focusing on being of service to other people at the same time being okay with making money, let alone making a lot of money, seems to me that's the true nature of really what motivates all of us. It's reigniting a lot of the animal spirits I think that a lot of us maybe have forgotten about or are kind of afraid to admit that we still feel. Um, And societally, it's certainly reinforced that way but not on this podcast, and I think not in the hearts of all of you, our loyal listeners. And thank you for supporting our first book, and look forward to the next one coming out in uh, probably June, I think is when the pub- – isn't that right, Julie, the published date's June? 
Yes, I believe that. I don't know when in June, but it, it is June, yes. Yeah, so next announcement. Um, we are going to be in New York City performing live for Douglas Elliman, and we're very excited about that. We're going to be there on, Julie, what day is the 11th and the 12th? I believe yep. they're making this only available to Douglas Elliman agents in around New York City. So if you obviously are a Douglas Elliman agent listening and you'd like to see us live, uh, they have been very gracious and are providing us for with a couple days where I, I think the uh, I don't honestly I'm not sure if there's any seats left because I know they added the second day because the first day, uh, from what I understand, basically was uh, I don't know how to say it other than that it was oversold and there's a lot of agents that wanted to go and so they added a second day. So we're going to be there on the 11th and the 12th. And if you're a Douglas Elliman agent. Um, if uh, you know there's still time for you to be a Douglas Elliman agent, if you wanted to switch between now and next Monday, um, but uh, yeah, and I think it's going to be—I know it's going to be fantastic. We're really looking forward to getting back to New York City and talking with some of our great coaching clients and podcast listeners. New York City is uh, the epicenter for—I think really it's one of the bellwether markets for uh, the world as far as real estate. I don't think that's too grand of a statement. And we've been watching New York City, working with some of the top coaching, or top agents as coaching clients there for a long time. And it's been very fascinating to watch how that market has had such a high, high about three years ago, four years ago now maybe. And now it's kind of really going through a harsh correction. And yet you go outside of the immediate city and then you're still finding markets that are really still buoyant. So fascinating market to study fascinating uh, agents to meet with. Agents in that marketplace have to have a variety of skill sets that are right in our wheelhouse. And so we're really looking forward to being amongst all of them next week. So if you guys are Douglas Elliman agents and you're in around New York City, please stop by and say hello. And also make sure you come up and introduce yourself because we really adore meeting all of our podcast listeners. And some of you we've talked to as coaching clients for years, um, you know, email and even on the phone, and uh, we've never met you. So if you've been a coaching client for a long time, we'd also love to meet you. Um, let me see. Julie, do I have any other announcements? Do you have any other announcements? I think I'm all caught up. I think that's it. Yes. I think okay. That's good. So we got, we got this email last night, and it's an email, like I said, I think it really will uh, ring true for all of our listeners. It's certainly a good email for this time of year, uh, especially if you're caught in the winter doldrums and you're trying to look for motivation. So, Julie, if you, it's not, yes, you know, it's not written it. for reading, but you can, you'll, so make sure you scan it before you read it. So, you know, I the punctuation. I work my way through it. Yeah. Yep. It's, yes. it's a thought blob is what it is. Yeah. A thought Got blob, it. yes. We'll work through it together. Yes. Uh, this is from an actual premier coaching member named Grant, and this is great. I love it when our coaching members reach out an email, and we can turn this into something that helps everyone, hopefully. So this is from someone named Grant who writes, to start, let me say I'm still really new. I'm just this week celebrating getting my first listing. So congratulations about that. That's pretty awesome. I know I'm gathering momentum, and I'm on my way to becoming a powerful listing agent. But I feel I have a problem. I've always been a, quote, fits and starts kind of guy. When uh, I'm ongoing, I feel my performance is both predictable and powerful. The problem is I seem to have a really hard time controlling when I'm on uh, which he describes as high energy and high confidence, and predicting when that will start. The worst thing is that I seem to feel most in the zone when I should be putting the phone and computer down and spending time with my toddler and his expectant wife. 
I know the problem here is with my lack of consistency and my working mindset. Basically, I'm having a lot of trouble getting my button gear at when, uh, when I don't want to do it. Asking for an easy button to solve my mental discipline problems is against the rules, so I'm asking you for homework. I have at least learned without work, nothing can be gained or earned. Sincerely, Grant. Not that anyone we else has these troubles, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we get a lot of emails like this. I Actually, Julie, there was another email I sent it to you. I was hoping we could read it last week. Um, and he was he was Maybe basically – yeah, he, it was another email that was similar, but he, he wasn't conflicted with what, what his mission was. And he said um, he knew that life was is about doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level because he grew up on a farm. Do you remember that one? That was a great email. Yeah. He described his morning routine oh, when he was true. on the farm. as like, yeah. Well, so so let's start out by – uh, thanking Grant for sending in the email because now his uh, issue is going to obviously hopefully help a billion people, however many people end up listening to us. So here's the thing. I want to share with you some thoughts about what work is and what it isn't. I'm going to start, about, start out by telling you that you do not have to be passionate to be successful. Matter of fact, trying to feel passionate, and this is really important, Grant, doesn't necessarily relate directly to your question, but it might. What happens is that passion is a fleeting emotion. It, it just comes and it goes. And if you're waiting to feel passionate before you actually get to work, you're not going get, to get to work often enough to have consistent enough results to get anywhere. So that's, that's really the main thing. I want to make sure everybody is really clear about that, that you absolutely positively do not have to have passion for your work. Um, and furthermore, Sometimes having passion for your work is the exact opposite of what you want to, the emotion you want to have with regards to work because if it is something you're passionate about, let's say you're a passionate musician or a passionate designer or whatever, as soon as you have to start doing that passion for work with a deadline, then all of a sudden you're not going to be passionate about it anymore. So just I know that's contrarian advice nowadays in the touchy-feely, woo-woo world that we live in, but I want, you to all get, I want to give you all of you permission to understand that your work – is not supposed to be something you're passionate about. If it is, occasionally great, but for the most part, I promise you it won't be. Work is work, and that's the reason they call it work, and they don't call it fun. Now, with that in mind, what you should do with the profits you earn from your work can uh, essentially help you finance your passions, and that can be your family. That can be just whatever, you can, whatever comes to your mind. So don't be in conflict about those things. Because what happens is, if you are one of these people, which is most people, believing that you see this this whole passionate thing, it all goes back to the uh, the crowd that thinks that the point of life is to be happy all the time, right? And and that's the whole ethos of a whole generation of people. And I'm not talking millennials; it affects all generations. I'm not going to do it unless it makes me happy. And so what that does is it takes the responsibility of life away. You know, I'm not going to stay married because I'm not happy. I'm not going to work through this problem because it doesn't make me happy. I'm not going to work hard, lose weight. I'm not going to take care of my obligations because they don't make me happy. I, I, some of you guys, this is essentially the feeling and emotions that roots around in your head because, again, this passion, happy sort of pursuit thing, it moves away from moral obligation. It moves away from the things that truly make you happy. Happy is, happiness, true happiness, is an emotion that, again, like passion, is a fleeting emotion, but it comes in the pursuit of a profound goal. It does come at the arrival of said, of said goal, but generally speaking, when you're on the right path, when you're taking care of your obligations, when you're taking care of yourself, 
you will feel happy along the way in various you know intent levels of intensity uh, i hope i'm expressing myself correctly the point being and again grant i'm not sure if this applies directly to you be mindful if your thinking is geared around you just feeling happy or you only working when you feel passionate because you'll burn yourself out. You're, and here's what happens. is time, you sound to me like you're in your 20s or your 30s. What's going to happen is time's going to pass really fast. Your kids are going to grow up. You're never going to have been able to essentially be, become the man you wanted to be. You're never going to have been able to uh, treat your family the way you wanted to treat them. And you know what I'm talking about, spoiling them. You're never going to have wanted to maybe – you won't have afforded the things in life that you shouldn't have been able to afford because you're so – unwilling to do not do what you didn't want to do when you didn't want to do it at the highest level. Now, here's another thing I wrote down when I was reading that email. Uh, the fits and starts thing, that is going hand-in-hand in hand with my first point. So number two, if you find yourself working erratically, a lot of you – I had a call the other day with a lady, um, and she was telling me – the email was, I'm overwhelmed. I know our customer service, and our we were, it was the end of the week um, – we had uh, we were d- down on staff. I didn't want her question to hang out in uh, customer service till Monday. I knew a coach would get back with her on Monday, but I wanted to take care of it right then and there. So I called her back. It was like late Friday. She was really surprised, and I asked her why she's feeling overwhelmed or what she's feeling overwhelmed by because that was the essence of her email. And she rattled off all these things, and then I had this little conversation with her, and this is a conversation that all of you guys need to have. And this is, again, contrarian, but I promise you it's the truth. I asked her, and I want you to bear with me here, listeners, because this, this takes a little bit of work to get through. I asked her what benefit she was getting from choosing to feel overwhelmed. Well, she did not like that question because overwhelmed was something that was supposed to be happening to her, certainly not a choice that she was electing to have herself. I asked her again. She still fought me. I asked her like six times until I told her, and I asked it in different ways, but the essence of the question was this. You're telling me you're feeling overwhelmed. You just rattled off all the just stupid stuff that's floating around your head that you think you should be doing. A lot of stuff, no doubt. It's causing you to feel overwhelmed. What, tell me how you're benefiting from allowing yourself or choosing to feel overwhelmed. What is it that you're not doing because you are allowing yourself or choosing yourself to feel overwhelmed? Then she got it, and it was a huge breakthrough for her, and I was very proud of her. I didn't tell her that, but I was, and here's what she said. I am avoiding uh, doing uh, – I'm not picking up the phone. I'm not really doing lead follow-up. I'm not prospecting or proactively lead generating. I'm not doing the real work of the job was the essence of what she finally said. That was fascinating to me. That was a breakthrough for her. That should be a breakthrough for all of you. So what happened is her list of things that she was feeling overwhelmed by, because I did go back to it before I let her off the call, we did go back to it. And I said, now, all the things you'd rattled off before, and I had her write them down because she didn't have even an organized list of all the things that she was feeling overwhelmed by. I asked her, of all the things on your list, what are the things that are going to uh, put you in a position to help people and make money the fastest? Like what are the things that effort equals results the quickest, the shortest time span between your effort and you getting the benefit of that effort. And she went through her list, and essentially there was maybe two things on the entire list that were met that criteria. The rest was just garbage. And then she said, now that I realize, basically, I've been, I've been uh, subconsciously, if you will, looking for things to do 
so that I always have a long list of things to do so I can always blame feeling overwhelmed uh, as my excuse for not doing what I don't want to do and I don't want to do it at the highest level. That was something that for all of you guys to finally get that, here's the essence of it. You are ultimately the decider, the chooser of your experience on this planet, especially when it comes to earning money. Your weight, your, the nature of the relationships you have with other people, probably 90% of it can be based on your choice and how you want to coexist with your loved ones and friends and whatnot. These are things that, that are in your choice. For you to accept that anything is not completely in your, choice, in your control, for you to think that anything's being done to you is when you start basically losing absolute control of whatever your potential is. Because then it's a slippery slope. You're going to start believing that you're out of control. You're going to start believing that you can't manage your own life. You're going to stop trying to improve. You're going to stop trying to become the best version of you. When you feel an emotion, when you feel or you see a behavior in yourself, no matter how screwed up that be, it's always easier to use a third person, right? It goes back to the benefit that someone's deriving. This is the essence of it, okay? So when you see somebody, let's say, and I'm going to pick something that's um, not controversial, okay? Julie, help me out with this. When you, we have, because this is relevant. When we have people, coaching clients, all of the time this happens in real estate, that are just absolute chronic money abusers. They never save any money. They have this sort of perpetual feast and famine lifestyle they, they are constantly running up debt and then paying it off when they're feeling the stress of having to pay it off. This is a normal cycle for a lot of people. And then we ask them, okay, and they, I want to break it. I want to stop it. I need to build a team. They have all these really, really wackadoodle thoughts because our wackadoodle industry is telling them all these wackadoodle things they need to be doing. And then we start with, okay, why, how are you benefiting from absolutely lack of any kind of financial control or money management. Because we've done – it's part of our coaching program, guys. We tell you how to save. We tell you the spaces of wealth building. By the way, Julie, we need to dust that topic off. It was the last chapter in uh, the most recent book. We need to definitely dust yep. that off. So I asked them, and I ask you, using this as an example, why, how is it that you're benefiting from not managing your money? How is it that you're benefiting from always putting yourself in a position to feel broke about every three or four months? I had this exact coaching client with an agent in a, can a call with an agent in Canada last week. And here's what he said, because we had this conversation before. He said, Tim, I wait for the financial pressure to be so insurmountable that I have no choice but to do what I don't want to do and I don't want to do it at the highest level. His voice sounded different. His energy level on my call with him sounded different. You know, he's normally just Mr. Laidback and works as centers of influence and past clients. And, you know, for the most part, the stars align at least 50% of the time for him. So he kind of coasts. But guess what? Him and his wife, and I'm not going to mention his name because I know he's listening, just adopted two gorgeous little baby boys. So now he's got a lot of financial pressures. Now his, his Exactly. Well, he's now manning up to the responsibilities that he has as a father. And he's realizing that this uh, perpetual – uh, you know, broken rich cycle that he's been doing. Now he realizes it was a choice and he accepts it. And he, his essence of his question was, is Tim, how do I break this cycle? Which is going back to what Grant's email was. Julie, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, that sounds a lot like the podcast we did not so long ago about scarcity and abundance, right? People who yep. are in scarcity 
that it is a habit. It's a bad habit. And so this is uh, part and parcel to the phrase that, that they use often, well, I can't afford to do that. Or, you know, it's a choice. What you're doing is you're not affording to do something because you are in scarcity. You spend what you make. And, you know, for some people, it's almost like a badge of honor that they let it get that bad and then they turn on the burners. But the problem is that that's not really that sustainable. You know, you and I both have coaching clients that are like, 30, 40 years into this thing, and you're not always going to have the stamina to wait until it gets that bad. Some of the most challenging coaching clients that we have are the ones that, you know, lost it last time around, and now they've got to put it back together, and they don't feel like it. Some of them don't have the health to go at it like that. It's not a plan, right? And here's the thing, having a plan, back to Grant's email, okay, and getting yourself into action and doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. See, there's so much to that phrase, right? We talk a lot about doing things at the highest level and not dabbling at them. But Grant's talking about doing – I think that he knows. I mean, here's, he says he's really new. He's already taken a first listing. He probably knows what he has to do. So do what you don't want to do, but do it when you don't want to do it, which, if we're being honest, is pretty much all the time for everyone, which, again, is why we call it work because it's actually work to do that versus fun or vacation, but doing it when you don't want to do it. So what that means is you've got to get serious about the time that you do have in the work day. I will never forget in our formative real estate years, I was going through this. I was having like overwhelm and stress and I'm too busy and I'm, you know, all of that kind of thing. And I think this was, you know, in our first or second year when we had like 20 pendings or something insane. And I remember uh, being at a Howard Brinton thing, and I remember Nate Martino said this to me. He said, you have to learn how to flip the switch. You have to be able to change the channel. And his example was, when I'm at my kid's baseball game, I need to be at my kid's baseball game. So Grant, when you're with your toddler, when you're with your wife, and you're talking about this next baby that's coming, be on that channel. But when you're at work, you've got to flip to the work channel. And so what okay, Nate so said that stuck with me was that when you're in, when you are in between channels, it's like the gray area. And I know millennials don't know about, you know, when you used to actually flip the switch on a TV and you'd get snow, that stress is being in between. You're not really at work and you're not really present with your family because you're not focused on what the point is when you're at work, be at work. Go ahead. So the way to manage that emotion, excellent point, of not being present, which was what Julie was saying, is to think about your work as a job. Think about what you do as a job and have a schedule that is – and we yes. did – this is a basically what we talked about last week. You need to have a schedule, and uh, Grant, you're a premier coaching client, and we have a great, perfect schedule right on the website. And here's what I want you to do. You're asking for homework. I want you to log into Harris Learning. And I want you to download the schedule and follow it and complete your real estate treasure map and follow it. Know the number of listings you need at all time, your magic number of listings, and follow it. Here's what's going to happen, and this is what happens to everybody. First of all, you have to accept the fact that you're choosing to basically be in this mental, emotional state that you're currently in. You have to accept the fact that even though it's not a great benefit, you know, you are getting a benefit from it because probably the overwhelmed emotion is causing you to not have to do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. Same goes with like, you know, we could give you example after example, but you can apply the, the benefit choice question to any screwed up human behavior to being overweight, to being an alcoholic, to doing any of the things that you'd never in a million years choose to yourself necessarily, 
But if you're really being honest with your, yourself and you ask the person why is you ask yourself why is that person doing that behavior? It's because they're getting a benefit from it. It's not something that you would necessarily equate as a benefit to you, but it's a benefit to them, and that's the reason they're choosing to do it, whatever it is. So these are interesting thoughts for you to have because it ultimately gives you the sense of being 100% accountable to all of your outcomes. Going back to making this practical and tactical, a morning schedule, when you follow it, and Julie gave it to you last week, Grant, and it's, all, it's definitely part of Harris Learning, is that the morning schedule is going to make it so that every single day, no matter how you feel, you're going to do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. It takes you through literally hour by hour all the way up from you know, whenever you wake up to like noon. And that's your daily schedule, and that's when you follow it. And here's what's going to happen. When you follow the schedule and you follow it as tightly as you can, you will find at the end of the day when you're wanting to be with your kids, you're not operating in between channels because you'll know that day you did what you're supposed to do when you didn't, we weren't supposed to do it. We tell you guys all the time, your perfect day doesn't really have to come. It, it's just the accomplishment of maybe three things, sometimes five if you're really efficient, but maybe three things. And those three things, generally speaking, are all going to be around and because we're your business coaches, are going to be around the things that you don't want to do when you don't want to do them at the highest level, right? They're going to be around the real work of real estate. They're going to be around putting yourself in a position where you could potentially hear no. They're going to be around things that are going to put you in a, potent, a potent, potential position to really help somebody. That's the essence of the job. And when you've done those things consistently every single day, what you're going to find is at the end of the day, you feel successful. And then there's the accumulation effect. Or what you know, Julie and I like to say, thank you, Pastor Timmer, Julie. You know, like this morning, uh, I had pre-made our smoothies. I stuck it in the free refrigerator. So oh, when we, Julie and I got up this morning, we'd have to prepare it. It was just right there. And I, we said, thank you, Pastor Timmer, Julie. You know what's Julie. funny about that, Tim? I went, I went from where the heck is the blender? Because I knew it wasn't in the dishwasher. Yeah. Feeling like, oh, my gosh, there's one more thing for Julie to do in the morning to, oh, thank you, Pastor Tim, for having that together in the fridge. Ah, See the difference? It's so much better. So thank you. All right. So here's the, the end, here's the end game here. Here's the end game that all of you need to understand. Emotion follows action. If you expect emotion to lead action, 99% of the time you're going to fail because emotion is a fleeting temporary thing. Emotion will follow action. Write that down. If you want to feel a certain way, Grant, and everybody else, get into action when, even if you don't feel like doing it. Uh, it, the best example I can give, because everyone can understand it, is me and my hatred for going to Orange Theory. You know, I shouldn't say it like that because it sounds so negative, but trust me when I tell you I'm not looking forward to it. Oh, and by the way, Julie ran uh, three miles in a record time at Orange Theory last week, so congratulations for that, Julie. Oh, thank you. Yes, I'm still exhausted. It was pretty cool. The whole you. studio was rooting her along. Yeah, she broke her her past record was 2.6 uh, miles. 2. She 6. Uh, did three yep. miles. It was pretty awesome to watch. Yeah. Um, so here's the moral of the story. I don't feel like, Julie doesn't feel like, going to Orange Theory. We don't like getting ready for it. I don't even like thinking about it. I can feel a little tang of stress when I think about it just now. But when I go, we sit there. We you know talk with our friends a little bit. We get on the treadmill. And after, for me, about uh, 10 minutes, I'm st I, I really feel like it. Then what's happened is my physical state has changed. My physical action has changed my emotional state. And you can apply that t same exact pattern to everything that's imp most important to you in your life. 
you know, you might not necessarily want to play with your kids sometimes because you're a little tired and whatever. And then you start playing with your kids, and you really feel like playing with your kids. You can think about examples after example after example after example that where your emotional state will follow yourself getting into action. This is the reason that working on your mindset is an enormous waste of time or what we'd like to call mental masturbation because that is what it is. There are so many books written on uh, so many gurus, so many everythings that are designed to make you feel oh, all woo-woo inside. And I get why they're doing it, because people are addicted to the idea that if I read one more thing, if I hear one more motivational speaker, if I feel one more whatever, whatever, <laughs> I walk on one more pile of coals, then finally all my shit's going to get together and I'm going to have this amazing life. And then sure enough, it doesn't happen, because they don't follow through with action. We have done the planning for you, and all you've got to do is follow it. Our coaching program is not just you talking to a coach. Our coaching program is a complete system that will take you from A to Z. I do not want to do a, com a commercial on our coaching program, but it's important that you understand. If you truly are looking for direction, if you're truly looking to get into action, we've given you the path to follow. That's fascinating, isn't it? So how many of you right now are saying, you know what, I believe him. He probably does have a path to follow, but I sure as hell am not going to become a member of the coaching program because then I'll be out of excuses why I'm not doing what I don't want to do and I don't want to do at the highest level. It's easier for me to say I don't know what direction I'm going to do. It's easy for me to say I'm going to join another Facebook group. It's easier for me to say I'm going to buy some more leads. It's easier for me to say I'm going to go work today. I'm going to go to some open houses today. I'm going to play realtor today. It's easier for you to say, I'm going to just work my centers of influence and past clients today. I'm going to just flip or do you, you know, be a Pop-Tart agent and just do whatever pops up. That's easier than saying, okay, here's your exact step-by-step -step plan on what you're supposed to be doing as a coaching client. We start you out depending on your situation. Are you somebody that's already got momentum and you're doing great? Follow this plan. Are you a new agent and you want to basically build momentum fast? Follow this plan. Are you somebody that's basically on your heels and you need immediate help? Follow this plan. That's what our coaching program is. But some of you absolutely won't want to join because then you'll be out of excuses. Because then you can't say you lack direction anymore. Then you can't have an excuse. And then, then you're going to be forced to basically confront the fact that you're choosing not to be successful. You're, you'd have to confront the fact that you're choosing not to take the right actions. You're choosing, ultimately, guys, and this is harsh, but it's true, you're choosing to fail. It's a choice. It's not being done to you. You're choosing it. Julie, you there? <laughs> I think Julie went to Premier. She did. So, speaking of Premier, those of you who are in Premier, it's always better to attend Julie's coaching sessions live every day, which happens right after this podcast. So I want you to seriously consider doing that. If there's anything Julie and I can do for you, it's easy to get hold of us. Tim at timandjulieharris.com or Julie at timandjulieharris.com. Yes, we are a fast-growing coaching company. Yes, we have dozens of people working with us and all of that. But trust me when I tell you, Julie and I will always be in the kitchen, making sure all and everyone is doing the right thing for all of you. That is the heart and soul of the business is making sure we're of service to all of you. If there's anything we can do to help you, I want you to feel free to email me, tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. So, Grant, I believe I've given you some very specific homework. Now, are you going to choose to do it? Are you going to choose to basically continue to feel overwhelmed? That's my question for you. For the rest of you, 
Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.